Hi guys, I'm Prashant Bosley. I am the founder of Cool Technology of Cool Finance. India believes that every citizen has a fundamental right to education. But actually making this happen requires more than just building education infrastructure. The country also needs to enable access to finance to pay for world-class education. Kuhu is a fintech startup that is solving this problem at scale by using technology. They are in the business of lending to students for their education. And while there are plenty of companies giving loans to students who are joining tier 1 colleges in India and abroad, Kuhu is catering to the long tail of students beyond just tier 1 colleges. In this episode of the Founder Thesis Podcast, your host Akshay Dad talks to the founder of Kuhu, Prashant Bhosle. Prashant is a veteran of the lending industry, having a track record of building up HDFC's student lending business with some enviable numbers. This conversation covers the evolution of lending in India through Prashant's own multi-decade experience and offers fascinating insights about using first principles to disrupt the traditional way of doing businesses. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to learn about using first principles to disrupt businesses. ICICI Bank started operating, started going very aggressive in, in retail finance in India. They were changing that. Those were the early days of ICICI Bank, 2001-2002. And Mr. Karmath had his vision of changing the Nancy which he eventually did. Joined the banking and financial services. And since then, I've been here banking and financial services. But ICICI was the first Banking and financial services. I joined ICICI Home Finance Business as the head of business for Gujarat State. And then I very quickly, I think we, our team performed very well. We grew by, I think, 5-7x of what they were doing in one year. And then I was brought to Bombay and then given much bigger. Yeah, how do you grow home finance portfolio? Like what would be like tying up with real estate developers that when they sell, then you... Yeah, so... Correct. Loan get so, buttoned, uh, and then through the branch network, like customers. So you open branch. Yeah, yeah. So ICICI was one of the early adopters of third-party distribution and financial services. Till till ICICI, they were. It was a branch-driven model in banking, financial services in India. Yeah. Either you walk into a branch, or uh, pretty much the branch actually. Till then. And then, then ICICI brought in this concept of third-party distribution, which is DSAs and selling agents and dealers and all that. I think that became their strength and that's how they could quickly grow very fast and much, much faster than both the market and the competition. And that's how we took a lot of market share from other players like HDFC, established players like HDFC, HPI and all that, right? And kind of uh, must much abuse word, but kind of disrupted that market largely. So you're absolutely right. The sourcing channels were uh, developers in particular areas, catchments, and then what they used to do was brilliantly done by SNC. Actually, they would actually evaluate developers completely, very thoroughly. And they will then start approving the project up front. And that's how the project approval started. Would approve project, do the legal technical of the project. And then they'd say, this is kosher and, and any customer who buys here will not face 
properties and and that is how we are open to lend to those customers who are buying property here. And that same turnaround time would cut much faster. Much faster because now every loan you're not doing the same legal, technical, valuation, so on and so forth. That happened the processes were very good. I should say with the early adopters of technology also. So not a six sigma. So first time I, I heard and implemented and learned about I was trained for six sigma and all that. And we implemented there very, very rigorously. So spent about six years, three years, and then I was given one of the uh, dream projects that Mr. Kamath had at that time of cross-selling to the same customer. So over the years, they realized that ICNCI was growing at a scorching pace, acquiring a lot of customers in different products. And then, then realized that if you have a high, if you are acquired, let's say a customer for home loans and you've sold an ICNCI bank home loan to that customer, and that customer now comes after a year, two years, three years, comes and buy for buying a car and an auto loan, right? Then you would go through and their strength was third-party distribution. So you would go and give the same pay to your nose to the dealer to acquire the same customer again, all over again, right? While the customer sits in your records and databases. And then we realize that there is a cross-sell option. These third-party distributors are essentially like uh, like a boiler room operation thing where they are people sitting and calling and calling. Yeah, so different type of third-party distributors. One, of course, like in home finance, there were developers who became, so the people who were the suppliers became the point of sales. They owned the property they were selling and they were enabling the financial because it improves their business. Because if there is a loan available for the property, there is higher chances that the property will get sold faster. Similarly, there were third-party distributors who were not suppliers, who were not developers. But they had the competence to run a sales operation. So they would, what they would do, and they had a catchment and they were running some of the business. So they had a customer database and all that. So they would reach out to that customer and say, I have partnership with this builder and I can get you the loan. So they become the conduit. So between the supplier and the financier, and those are called the direct selling agents. So those, and similar thing. In auto loans also. So there are dealers who sell cars and then they become the enablers of tantures. But also there are DSS who will go to these dealers and say, I can get you these loans. And then go and acquire a customer and then go and get this. So these are different types of, of, of dealerships. So then we, I was part of the team that built the first, so to say, cross-sell model in India for for existing customers of any bank. So we started the first half an hour loan, which has become now 10 second loan. It's exactly the same model, right? During early 2005, 2006, I was part of the score team, which is the credit scoring in the India very nascent stage. So we were doing the, we were doing evaluation of the existing track record of customers of ICSR bank, whether they are liability customers, saving bank account or home loan customers. How would they been behaving and then score them and then say, oh, they are good customers and we should offer them one much lower process intensity and all. So those, that's where they started now giving pre-approved offer to, if you were a ICI. So I spent a lot of time there, it became a big model, a large team, few thousand people and all that. And then I got the first opportunity to, to, to taste 
a little bit of entrepreneurship because the approach to after about six, almost six years in ICSMI from in 2000, early to, to mid 2007, I was approached by two brothers who had gone to US for their hard studies in late 80s, early 90s and spent about 10, 15 years there. They got out, they started doing well. One was the and they had started that one of them had come back in 97, 98 to start one of the first BPOs in India and the other one said that. So they were running a BPO operation which they sold to somebody else. What uh, was it called? called? That BPO was called Claims Data Processing or something and it was sold to WNS, right? And these two brothers actually got to know about me and somehow through some connect they wanted to come back and Started financial services business in India. So they approached and then because they had more US experience, no India experience, and not financial services. And so they wanted somebody in from the domain. And the three of us, they said, US, this student loan business is this. At that time, 2007, it was the third largest asset class there with $1.5 trillion outside. After mortgages and credit cards, this was the third largest asset class. $1.5 trillion of outstanding student loans there, right? While India had four times more the population of students now, right? And total population also. They said there is an opportunity here and why don't we start this? And then I started understanding why is it that educational loans don't happen in India. At that time, as against $1.5 trillion of outstanding, India had only $3 billion of outstanding of students. So it was more than... Uh, multifold higher, much bigger market than online. But and then I got into the weeds and I tried to understand what why is that when I was in ISSA bank, we were very aggressively sending home loans, two winners, credit card, personal loans, and you name it, and under the sun, all asset classes, right? We were so aggressive that we were changing policies and pro launching new products, new technology, processes, everything. And nobody had never occurred to me that is a uh, there is a need for a student loan and uh, and uh, so I got very intrigued. I, I started researching and then found out that why there is large demand, nascent demand in India for student loan because the cost of education has been going back forever. And uh, loans are not easy to come by. And I then I started asking questions, why is that? Why everything else is very interesting for banks? Because after ICIC, HDFC became very aggressive, access became very aggressive, SBI got into the game and they launched those 7% home loan product. No one, none were doing anything on student lending while we are demographically one of the youngest countries in the world. We have large population of students, large school, aspiring students, middle class families. And they, class family who understand that education is for their next generation, the only way forward, right? So culturally, we were inclined to give education to our best education to our, and best education has started costing now much higher. So this puzzle was very big puzzle, very intriguing, right? Then I got to and then realized when to, along with those two, and then we established one NBFC and and the NBFC was called, and then and then I started working hard to understand the gaps, the pain point the students were facing, parents were facing, the students were facing, banks were facing. This is a portfolio where which in banks is the most bleeding portfolio. Which, by the way, is the scenario as of today also for last fourteen. What do you mean? Not bleeding portfolio. 
meaning it is a and very high npl very high npl portfolio at that time 3 billion dollar of outstanding was there as i told you today there are about i think 12 or 13 billion dollar of outstanding in last 14 years it's grown uh, exponentially however uh, the npls have remained actually npl so out of this 12 13 billion dollars are outstanding 1 billion dollars are in npl actually 6 to 7% so it continues to be a high npl business for banks and then logically it makes sense that any business where you're losing money and not making uh, profits you would be wary to do and then i try to understand why is it that why student loans are high in pa why that's that why, oh, students get job it's a growing economy 7 8 10% gdp everybody seems to be getting jobs so why is that so then i realize what are the bank points Well, uh, there issues with the quality of education. There issues with the bankers not understanding new courses, colleges, their forward employability, and so on and so forth. And how would you underwrite if somebody comes to us known for a course in university or then and half of them would not have even heard about them. Or somebody comes and asks for a course in India where the university is a deemed university, and so on and so forth, right? So those are the challenges. Then operation, operational challenges for students. So this became. Then I realized this is a very unique product or an asset class, which is unique not only in India, but even if you see developed market, this is the only asset class where banks are not the primary largest player. They become largest player eventually after buying portfolio. So there are specialized players in the first mobilet, Empower Now, and so on and so forth. Prodigy. So then we then we started solving those problem one by one and started this company NBFT as a first specialized student loan company. And then quick question here, sorry, like starting an NBFT is a lengthy process, right? Like a, you, to get RBI approval and all takes time. It's a robust process. It takes anything between five six months to about about eight nine months to get a license, and the process is pretty. needing process and all that rigor in the process required also because you need to financial services and it has implications not only on on the customers and it has implications on the ecosystem so i i would not and say it's you, you were like one of the co-founders of credila like the, no, i was the professional professional brought it to run it brought it to run it right so as the country head and because they both of the brother did not have the experience either of india or the financial services especially in lending Uh, and this was they were also trying to do it for the first time i uh, but at least i knew lending yet i i knew collections i knew underwriting i knew risk and new processes i know uh, regulations to large extent so i was a professional there as a so i was the uh, so that's what happened and then we started that business and and as luck would have it and because you told me at the start that the founders are there and and they would want to know the journey very interestingly as luck would have it we were very passionate so i was passionate about education all the time because you can impact lives of people and you are enabling somebody's higher education so we started building the nuts and bolts uh, building the product i spent a lot of time on campuses slept in messes and and hostels and trying to understand and then started building the product and and started hiring people and so on and so forth went to rbi and then we got some data and and did the first scripts for it 
Uh, we did. We started in on 2007 doing all of these things, and for about a year or so, we were doing. We built about 450 people team, and we had a. We built the systems grounds up because there's nothing like this available. But nobody was doing it. It was very nascent. Only banks were doing it for for social reasons. And luck would have it when. So I still remember. I think we gave the first loan of some 80,000 rupees to a student in 20. 23rd of March 2008 or something, and just to see whether water flowing in the pipe or not, the systems we have built, the process we have built, working, the disbursements happening, that's the, all of those things, right? And we were very excited, thumping chest. Oh, it went through, and we went out, right? So first, uh, and that week, 23rd of March till 31st March, in that week we must have given some four or five loans, and on 31st March, beard stunts went belly up and down. And that was the start of the financial crisis of 2008. And in between, while we were doing all of these things, we had got we got we were very lucky. We got DSP Merrill Lynch as our minority stake equity partner. So they were the partner. And one of the reasons, one of the things which they had agreed with us was not only equity, but they had agreed that we will also participate in giving your debt whenever it is required. And that was very critical because we are entering into a domain where, which is supposed to be the high risk domain. So unless you prove yourself in the next few years, then be very, it will be very difficult for you to generate debt. In it, in lending company, you can't raise debt. You are more or less dead actually. So we wanted that. So we had done that, and we were very happy that now we are now we are very passionate about it. Done diligently, what business model, all that. <laughs> We were pretty confident that we'd be successful, and this happened. Then. And after that, thirty was March. I think few days later, Lemon happened, and few days later, Merrill Lynch happened. And Merrill Lynch was the well, parent of DSP Merrill right? Who were our equity clients. So, so they they became Bank of America, and Bank yeah, of America yeah, it's like a distress sale to Bank of America, right? Like yeah, they didn't want to be the Part of any retail cash was king at that point of time. People were preserving whatever they had and not preening themselves and all that. So that happened, and and we were in in the first six months. Then we had to go back on the street and find another equity partner. The worst time ever. So it's a classic founder, first time founder kind, first time problem version. And even before before you started, you're kind of still born, right? So. And with everything and nothing, this is the headwind that you never could anybody could have imagined, right? And besides, so your business was more or less done even before it had started. You only had uh, equity funds still there. You had not raised it. No, no, nothing, zero, and that that was gone. So we didn't know what to do, and uh, so there were two options. I had an opportunity to go back to corporate world, close it, close the shop, which was anyways getting closed. And now that you could not have, and both the brothers uh, had back to the VP of business that they sold to and starting another venture company. That made uh, they had done a good job by all All three of us then decided that we'll dig our heels and and uh, and see through this phase and see. Uh, If we can get out from the other side, and and mind you, we one of the toughest times of my life actually, first time, and and then you realize that you must have also hired people, built up a team. Yeah, about forty fifty people. Wow. Then the, every every month there was a 
पेरोल का वेट education and even during that time he was such a he is such a visionary person that's why he is what he is right and that's why his dfc is what his dfc is is because he could see the potential of the business he could see the the business already that he had built and he was obviously passionate about education so he said i will so he did, he agreed to then participate and took that minority straight from it and started to get money and as they say rest is history and we look back and we started growing very fast and I was there for about 5-6 more years after that his country had we grew the business made it profitable and so then was it as an STFC subsidiary then like they yeah it is now basically yeah yeah so <laughs> they acquired this one stake and they let us be we started building the business again as we had planned Now and they gave you debt so that you could grow your loan book. No, then uh, so what happened was that after you got that name, then and you started trying growth and the seasoning and portfolio was also performing. In fact, in fact, uh, one of the notable things which I'm very proud of is that in those seven eight years of my my being with that company, right from the scratch and building it from zero, the portfolio for fourteen years they never crossed. Point one percent in NPA. Point one percent in an in an industry, in an industry which is fraught with NPA six to seven percent. In that industry, for fourteen years, that company never crossed point one percent of NPA. They have a ten thousand crore book now. Their NPA is just slightly above, but I think it is still not crossed. I think one. So what's the secret behind that? How did so all the hard work that when research we had done, we knew we listed painstakingly every course, every university ranking, potential employability, sector-wise employability. If the student comes from, we can we could pretty much actually uh, profess or or predict the trajectory of any student with different combinations. Somebody has done let's say mechanical engineering in pretty. Engineering college and now three, four, five options. They could go to MS in US. They could do an MBA in India. They could join their own family business. They can actually do MTech. They can do start their own business. We could it, now in in Kohu actually we have developed on that market model. But we started there. We could predict what is going to happen because we knew exactly which course which university which college with potential employability if they're doing for stem if they're doing computer science if they're doing data science so that work actually a lot of research is going mm-hmm. and you were doing both domestic education and study abroad yeah at that time study abroad is where we started because that was larger ticket demand was higher and all that over the years because of that reason they continue to still focus on abroad education why am i am focusing more in india now because i think that problem for abroad has been solved more or less there is a couple years now mm. and banks also become more lenient after seeing credland success and all that there's an empirical data available of 40 50 years of almost no default of if you do the underwriting risk management operations right? 
then you don't people don't default they realize that so there is a there is now available availability of loans there but india is much larger market according to and engineering mba coaching classes executive education high tech vocational there's so many where exactly the same problem which i was trying to solve for abroad in 2007 and 11 now we are trying to do that in with at credula basically you first had a curated set of colleges and for each college you had data like average salaries and yeah. for the us market this data would be readily available and yeah. other market also us australia like most of these developed economies Europe, yeah, yeah, yeah. would have this data and based on that there would be a decision on whether to lend or not and you would not lend if the college was not so credible or the yeah, expected yeah. jump in salary was not yeah. substantial absolutely yeah. what likely yeah. at premium or net mm. lower amount yeah, sorry and what about what part of preventing npis at the time of giving the loan where you do the risk underwriting what about at the time when the money becomes payable like once the student graduates yeah so look the one of the things we learned and this is a trade secret i'm giving on your podcast for the first time is look one of the things this management student loan is also managing the transition of students from campus to corporate so even if there is an intent and ability both of students so intent is good student wants to repay and also because they've now earned a good degree qualification graduate they will be able to pay because they get a good job however the transition is where the vulnerability is they are the most vulnerable because invariably you expected that if you are joining a course in india or abroad and you think you will get a 100000 dollar job but you got 50000 dollar job or 60000 uh, so your planning goes haywire here it's more pronounced because the, it is not dollar to rupee conversion it here it is you wanted a 10 lakh rupees job from campus and you got a 6 lakh rupees job campus and suddenly everything is yeah. so i think so if you as a lender you manage this trouble even if you have done that underwriting right and you have packed the course employability future salary and all that this transition because india financial literacy in young people generally is slightly lower than relatively others but especially young people because we all get in middle class families we get raised in a protected environment you are not exposed to finances of the family or budgeting or all of those things right personal finance that's why is a big there's no such thing as earning your pocket money which yeah yeah so on campus even the best the students do not have the appreciation of financial discipline or literacy they a they do not know enough and b there is a discipline issue they don't appreciate that if i don't repay my loan i will it will be very difficult for me especially abroad where buying a loaf or loaf of bread also you can you should do it on a credit card or and you will not get a credit card and other products and all that so bureau scores and all those things so sensitivity to that is missing so you manage that a lot of customer evangelization and education was required and good doing that right and that's why so one of the reasons other than the product processes technology and all of those things and rigor in operation we were also doing a lot of customer education and that actually contributed to low and clears and all of those things so that transition if you manage well 
that because they will leave job if they get a job from campus they will leave one city join some other city from there they will leave that job and join some other company and go to some so managing this transition and mobility for tenure which is normally the tenure the loan is really difficult for an inbound branch model for anywhere unless you are tech tech enabled your processes are very flexible and you are member footed it becomes very difficult manage So those are the things. Like you would have an account manager who would call a student and like whenever so to graduate. So servicing system. Once you they graduate, that's the servicing system, and may not be only account manager. It started exactly like the way you are saying, but then we graduated to make it more people independent. Okay. So we did like not have so email like and a, SMS. Ah, email and SMS auto driven, and you mm. could call a number mm. and check. And now here, and you give them the flexibility that in case they want to reduce the payment, the monthly installment, they can. At that time, we were doing it more selectively. Now with tech and all that, and Coho, all of these options are now on the click of the button. Right? This is what I built, right? So you could self-manage your thing. May I, you, because you want a little some bonus or something. All of these things they'll be able to do it on an app or a yeah. web. Got it, got it. Interesting. So why did you leave Credila? Like you were, in a way, like heading the business, growing it from zero to one. Could have been yeah, a yeah. So no, it was a startup. It had become with HDFC and HDFC. Yeah, I was enjoying myself. We were growing. We became profitable very fast, and mm. we were. We had the best cost income ratio as this HDFC's hallmark actually. What does that cost income ratio? What does that mean? So in lending, one of the best metrics, uh, metrics or metrics that every investor, analyst, or banker, worth its all looks at its cost income ratio. So your income is your name, fees, and all of those things. That why does NPL was was up and then net net interest margin and all that. So mm-hmm. what is the you are charging? Let's say fifteen percent rate of interest. What is your cost of operation NP and all of those things? So what is the spread and then net interest margin? So that's your income, right? And then what is the cost? So at what cost if SDFC spends hundred rupees for doing X amount of business? What is the profit they generate? And If say a hundred rupees being spent by some other people for the same amount of business, what is the cost? And that HDFC is the best in, in the business. Then, so we were running a very tight operation, very good. So all of those things, and it became a very successful. And in this, a little bit more, I want to ask on cost income. So in this cost income, the cost is say the payroll, the technology, or yeah, everything all on kinds of yeah, all the cost of the company. Yeah, right, right. Okay. So, so and this, this margin will be high if you are able to get funds at a lower yeah. cost, which like a bank like yeah, so cost of fund. Yeah, yeah, cost of fund is one, but cost of operation becomes that key because cost of fund for similar players will be more or less similar for SBI and SBI went with the lowest and HDFC. So there will be some difference, but. And there is a cost of fund arbitrage, but the cost of operation is where the game is. So if you can, if you, if same number of people can do more business, and same number of branches can do more business and more high quality business, and keeping the NPS low, then obviously you are more profitable than anybody else. And that's what HDFC was has been able to do for so many years, and that's why they trade much much higher than anybody else. So I was doing all of those things. I was enjoying myself, which had become a very large operation. And then I realized that over the seven, eight years, it became 
more or less a large corporate role again <laughs> in a large bank, right? And I got my blood, taste of the blood of entrepreneurship. So I was I was itching to do something. So I then I joined startup based out of Bangalore, a tech startup actually. I wanted to see tech had just started happening, coming out of the the shackles and. In India and Bangalore, obviously, has been the startup capital. I joined a very interesting, innovative platform company called Booker. And as a president, the founder is a very exciting guy. And then grew that business, a B2B what, what, business. Help, help me understand what was the product that they were the building? The product was a platform which is given to, given to all the large corporates, medium corporates and small businesses to run their so like a project a, management software? So it was a very interesting thing. So it is a combination of project management, workflow management, processes, knowledge management, actually. It is something very similar to Slack if you use like Slack to Slack. So very interesting. Like a very Slack innovative. Salesforce kind of a... Yeah, exactly. Same. Plus, so it was built a very exciting front. And then we... So I and this was like... Made in India for the world, kind of. Made in India for the world, right? So we, okay. so we, I, I, we did for the launched in US, Dubai. It's still running company, and then I got the first hand experience of how the tech world operates, right? We to be tech as few hundred people to fifty high profile techies, handling them and working with them, building the product and fantastic experience intellectually very intense and also different selling experience different deal all that so we launched in london we launched in dubai we launched in us we launched in india we had already built a profitable business and i was there for about two and a half years or so and about 150 large medium corporates and and uh, uh, so that was a good good model and then uh uh, I got in touch with Dwight Cole, who both used the founder of Incred actually is uh, part of Anshu Jan's uh, DB team. Incred, uh, he, he one of the investment bankers called Bupinder Singh. He was in Singapore, in Deutsche Bank, and London in Singapore, 16, 17 years ago, Deutsche Bank. He came to India, he wanted to start financial services business on his own. And someone got in touch with me and said, this is what I'm planning and why don't you, let's do it together as a co-founder and all that. So I said, what are you planning? Then I was, I was enjoying my tech journey and I said, no, I'm not started. And then we quoted for about nine, 10 months. And then finally, a good convince said, and come back to home which is financial services, this is where action is. And you seem to have the right combination of large corporate financial services and tech. And then, so this is what we want to bring in the fintech, right? So why don't we do it together? So I joined as, uh, as, the, as the retail finance person on the table and started with him, started building that company. I spent about five years as so, so a, this was like a lending focus, like, like they had an NBA. Lending, okay. They are an NBA. So they are now, they merged with KKR. So it's a incredible financial, large one now. It's, they have about, I think more than 5,000 crores of balance sheet. I spent five years from zero okay. again. So this was my third startup gig from Redlaw to this tech thing and then Incred. So I spent five years right from zero equity 
tech. Uh, and, and what products are you building there? Like so, uh, home loans. There's a separate company as the MD and CEO for home loans. We built uh, built very quickly. I went to a team of 200 people. Uh, and I think 300 crores a portfolio in about two years affordable housing. And then sold it to IDFC Bank. And then I was also responsible for... And for each of these was a separate NBFC. Like the home loan business was... No, no. A home loan because home loan license happened separately. So that was a separate. But all other businesses happened under one NBFC license, which is your student lending was one of the verticals as that thing, then personal loans and two wheeler loans and so on. So I did that for a long time and for about five years. And then uh, cool happened and with Westbridge Capital, I, you know, we decided that it's high time that we build the tech version and analytical analytics driven version of what we built in Fidla and Mincrit and all that, right? So that was why uh, design very analog model because nobody would give us during that time the 2007 to 14 is not the best time for tech and science. For that also I was entering we had entered into a domain which was seen as very risky so nobody would have Actually, given us any chance, if it said that you are building a tech company in a six foot net, we had to show that we are doing everything diligently. So, we built an analog bottle by design. And that became successful. So, for good or for bad, the new players who said followed suit followed exactly the same model. They got fairly successful. So, there was a need for a business which is now driven by. That intelligence and domain expertise, which I've built over 14, 15 years, use that and translate it into models that is world class in terms of product innovation, in terms of technology, data science, all of those things. You've set up lending businesses. Tell me that zero to one journey of setting up a lending business. And you can view that in with how you did that for Kuhu also. Yeah. Look, one of the is, according to me, lending business is. One of the easiest and one of the most difficult businesses to do. Easiest from the business point of view because there's always going to be a demand for yeah, lending. You don't uh, have to, easy. to find customers. Yeah, it is easy to give money, right? <laughs> one, of the, one of the most difficult businesses because once you've given money, it's the most difficult thing to get it back on time. And the way you want to get it with interest. This is zero to one journey that look, one of the few things that I've learned was this thing in lending business right from the beginning and we were taught by the right people. I got lucky, right mentors and good systems. ICSA Bank was an amazing system of technology and how to leverage it. And, but more, most importantly, look, lending business, what I've, I've learned or understood is Lending business is the business of taking risk, right? Every loan you give, you take risk. And I've seen a lot, lot of businesses, good founders, good product, good companies, good funding, but struggle in lending because if you take good risk, you make money. It's that simple as that. If you take bad risk, you lose money. <laughs> so... Lending business, if you can manage risk well, A, you understand risk, nuances of risk. You you have framework of managing risk well. You have resilience and tenacity to adhere to that 
that framework and not cut corners when things go south or when things are tough. Hey, not like, everybody who does, does the process, does the framework, not everybody who knows and is successful. So knowledge is not enough. You need to have the tenacity, resilience, faith in the process and stay true to what you had decided. Correct? These are some of the fundamentals we might sound cliche, but in lending business, no words were more Right. This is what I learned that once you A, do thorough research, understand the nooks and corners of our risk. For example, in, just to give you an example, student loan, the only risk is not the, whether I give this money, whether this guy will or girl will give me the money back or not. That's not the only risk. The risk is as as wide as geopolitical risk. For example, if you're lending the course in US, and it impacts your portfolio whether Trump is there the president or Biden is the president or somebody else is president, right? So those kind of things. And just making for the effect I'm saying, but it does have. Or like say because Ukraine, you, because Ukraine. Ukraine has a lot of these institutes where people go for an MBBS. Medical, right? Yeah. And for example, in when we were lending in 2008, 9, 10, I was making the policy, writing policy processes. That document still has that people not to medical loans to China, Russia, Ukraine. It's still written, 2008. But, why? So, like, like, because of the risk there? Or like you would have said, because we accepted in India the degree? Yes, yes. That was the main risk, right? That even if you pass out from there, it is. Doing a medical profession there and abroad is more difficult and challenging than India because the legal and consumer laws and all of those things. So that risk you run. Second, and there are different exams which are tougher to pass if you really want to practice there or get a job and all that. It's not only passing down. And if you want to come back, I will not allow you to practice unless you go through process and most of them will not pass in the first place otherwise they wouldn't have gone there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so those are the challenges. So those risks, if you understand the nuances of risk well, right? I think you will do well. Second, most important thing which is very underrated in lending business, zero to one, you must either know or get competence if you don't know yourself competence of connection it's a different skill set right and it is not only going out knocking on the door being harsh it is also a process how do you do soft calling what are the metrics to follow so on and so forth and no the new lenders who do not have experience especially the some of the fintech ones they do not understand the importance of Connecting money is a rigorous process, right? And you need to have that skill. So those are the things that I've learned over the period of time and which seems to be helping us now. Other than that, I think knowing the cost of compliance and governance is other thing which is underrated, right? So knowing regulations because Retail finance, if you are getting into retail finance, retail finance is a thin margin, high volume, transaction heavy business. NPS, as I said, NPS is not the credit, uh, credit cost is not the only cost, right? OPEX, cost of acquisition, but cost of compliance and governance. If you take wrong turn knowingly or unknowingly, it may well be the end of your road actually, because 
severely regulated business, right? So you are putting investors money at risk. Just doing compliance and the lay of the land and regulation is very important. Those are a few of the things I think. Other than that, I think it's a it's a great business to be in because you are financial inclusion in a developing country change lives and you have large impact, right? So it's a very fulfilling business also. For example, especially education. So that, those are the things you said. So let me zoom in on these things, like each of these. So you said risk, connection, and compliance. These are like three key things to get right in your zero to one journey. So how did you get risk right at Kuho? Because now you're focusing on domestic lending. At Credila, you are doing international lending. So with foreign universities, you have, say, average salary data. You have maybe some ranking data and things like that. There's a lot more transparency with respect to education, quality, etc. There. Yeah, how did you do that for India? Tell me about how you based your risk engine, your decision-making engine. Yeah, so look, in the US also, while the data is relatively easily available, but, but you do need to A, find out the right sources and whether they're authentic sources or not and so on. So there's a lot of legwork there as well. Right? So then... The nature of the work does not change. You need to do the similar kind of network, maybe a little more than what we, why I had to do it in the first four or five years of 2007 to 12. But here, exactly same here, you have NIRF ranking for engineering, you have a few other ranking for MBA colleges, you have, so then you start understanding if it is a partnership business with edtech, then you understand how the party is. So then there are public domain data available of whether the edtech is good tech or not. It's not only a product, but the company will survive if you have given loan to the dead students and so on and so forth. With some of the tech, tech companies have gone bust and which has impacted the lenders because because of that, right? So those are the risks you understand. So uh, my, uh, my answer to you, more specific answer to Akshay is that it is a lot of hard work and legwork and research. And one of the first things which I did about a year and a half back when I started on this journey is, and we have been doing, in fact, I've been doing this for a while, when, even with, when I was in Incred, we were looking at those spaces, and when I was in Credina also, we would get research of vocational courses, and I was personally involved in that as, uh, on, on some of the panels and stuff like that. So the work has been happening for years now, and all of that is culminating now, and I'm more focused on, let's say, engineering, so how many, which rankings to use, whether the data is, has integrity or not, and so on and so forth, and put your feet on the ground or get some agency which is more authentic and so on and so forth. So that those are the things happening as far as data is concerned. So we have a lot of work, a lot of information and knowledge there. And w- what were the that fields is, that you collected for each college? Like uh, so, uh, income, well, uh, well, yeah, yeah. So, so background of college, when got established from that point that how old, because education also is such a education, not education as a business. The more time you spend, the better it is, right? It, it is a business of high touch business. So that's why trust takes a longer time to build. Harvard is a Harvard because it took 100 years for them to reach. So right from the year they got established, what, who are the faculty, who are the founders, who are the, how many years the faculties are spending there, whether faculties are coming out with research papers or not, what is the pedagogy, curriculum, uh, modus operandi, infrastructure, a lot of these parameters, anyways, a part of the ranking parameters, a lot of agencies have RB and all of those things, right? So we use that. 
Now, we also use the data industry on the this side, on the right side, we also do industry mapping work, which industry has higher potential or demand for professionals for a particular category. Correct. For example, in US, you have high demand for next at least 5, 7, 10 years for STEM graduates. Right. Large demand, less supply. So it is going to continue for a while. Similarly, we are mapping for India. So which engineering stream other than which is the most obvious of computer science and IT, which are the other engineering streams which have potential to get better and higher paying jobs? So those are the things on the industry side we do and that we do the matchmaking and so on and so forth. So those are the things we which we are connecting and stuff. Then there is a whole lot of data around the student and their profile. So past academics, for example, if somebody is in IT Bombay and 9.7 CGPA obviously has a much better opportunity to get into a great college and because of that great job and so on and so forth, right? So past tech ads and how many backlogs they have. We have gone now going to the extent of now and analyzing entrance stress codes slicing. For example, somebody is given GRE or CAT or GMAT or TOEFL or IELTS. If, uh, what score has a higher potential of impacting what risk, right? So those are the things. So, for example, great, great score on, on quant Less score on verbal may also mean that they might find it difficult in the soft skin sections to get a better job. Correct. So those are the correlations that we have started making. These are like self-declarations. The student declares what was his score. and We, take, so we have to take as a part of the documentation process, we take this course. And a lot of these now are digitally available. So they, it's not so much of uh, in earlier days that you need to give documentation. We can pull this course from a lot of sources. So those are the things which you are doing. And the decision is a mix of potential of the student and potential of the course. Got potential it. of the student. And has, we have, have converted that into a proprietary credit score. Right? Uh, so that's why every student gets a credit score. Right? Right. score you, right? you can't rely on the traditional credit score because students would yeah. have to credit. They not yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. exactly. So what about parents' credit score? Does that factor in? Yeah, initially over the years, the weightage has come down, especially for our school. A lot of other lenders still actually take either the collateral or parents' income as the main criteria for giving a loan, even the student, because they don't have the kind of finesse and the data analytics and, and the knowledge base there. But for us, over the period of time, we have been able to reduce the dependence of parents. So parents now we are taking more for A, psychological reason and B, for contactability purpose. Right? Oh, so you're in a way enabling more social mobility. Like kids born to poor yes. parents have as much of a chance as a kid born to a wealthy parent. Yeah. In fact, a Do lot you. of students that we have funded in our pilot actually come from the humble backgrounds. They wouldn't have got uh, meaning of it. We funded a few students who have actually the uh, construction labor and house elves and all of those. Done. And tell me about your collections process. What have you built over there in terms of being a agile, nimble, tech-enabled collections process. What all yeah, yeah. So we have. So it's not only collections. Collections starts for us with early warning signals on the portfolio. So we have because we have so much of data around 
getting released in the next couple of weeks and they'll be able to download it. The very unique thing about that we have built in India is if the students can find out very quickly after giving a few data points whether they are eligible or not, how much they are eligible for it and what kind of broad loan amount and NR and this. And that, I think for that, so my understanding last 15 years is students and parents when they're doing the education planning for the kids, right? And the students, when they're doing it for themselves, they they need answers, quick answers to two fundamental questions. A, whether I'll get a loan or not, I don't know. And if at all I am going to get a loan, how much am I going to get? And these two questions in Indian system right now also takes anything between few days to a few weeks. So you go and apply and then ask you for documents and that then process it. And then then come back and tell you, oh, nee, it is not possible or possible. That we have converted into a eligibility check very quickly. There is a decision of the advance, right? So that solves a lot of problems for students because then they are now clear what is the next road to a step to take. So those are the, that is the journey. They can check their eligibility very quickly. And then there are, they will get options. If, this is, if they want a little more loan, then what are the options? They will get it on the journey. If they want a little less known, what is the journey? So on and so forth. They can kind of make their own loan. Mm-hmm. So like that is the journey. Parents can have some collateral option to get more loan. If they are willing to give mm-hmm. it largely. Mm-hmm. But our fundamental philosophy or guiding principle, Akshay, has been that I want, I want a mission to make Indian students completely Atmanirbhar. So meaning, meaning because I have knowledge we have who has knowledge about which stores which student which and all that i can leverage that and that not not give as much importance to parents as the other banks so i am allowing them to become self-sufficient or self-reliant the other thing which i've noted over the years is indian students all beyond come from middle class so they have a sense of commitment and to their parents and families. Right? They know that their parents have sacrificed a lot for them to reach wherever they reach, their students, right? And given a chance, they would want to now take their own responsibility, especially for their postgraduate and all. So there is a sense, I want to give them a chance to, to be able to do that. And you can do that if you understand what students, you can tell them, ah, this is a good course, I like this course, please. Go ahead and do it. I think you would do well and also and so. Right. So that is the journey. That is the philosophy. That is the journey. We have actually enabled this journey completely automated. 
So they don't have to come to any branch. They can do it online. They can check the status online. And now with the student mobile app coming, they can actually do all of these things on the mobile. And so once they, how does the load get dispersed? They need to show some proof that they have received admission. They have secured admission. Yeah. yeah. So the tuition to be fund tuition fee as well as living expenses. And the tuition fee will be dispersed directly to the university. Oh, so you have these with all of these universities. Yeah, yeah. So based on their disbursement, so the loan gets sanctioned for the entire course. But the fee payment schedule case ups even disbursed. So if the first semester fees lets out your section lets out ten lakh rupees and the first sem fees is less than two and a half lakh rupees loaded. So the living expenses will go to students, which is normally about twenty, twenty-five percent of the whole loan amount. And the tuition thing will go to the student. This is how you get. But this will happen all, all online. And uh, this, uh, the payment, uh, the fee payment is automated. You directly have a relationship with the college or the student. Do not, you don't have to be in some university. Student shares the account details. Bank and details. All okay. and, one, mm-hmm. yeah. and once you've done it for one student for a university, then. Uh, the the, the account you. details are entered. You can verify next time someone shares it and. If you have a lot of students from the same college, then somebody can do a partnership with them. But got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. And the dispersal is like on a like for every semester, the student gets living expenses at the beginning of the semester. It's not like single time yeah. disbursement. No, no, single time. No, it is not single time disbursement. As in when the demand of the money is there, whether it's student and this institute, so uh, it will be disbursed like that. But sanction has happened. It. Is it on demand? Like I can take just thousand rupees today. Yes, of course. Oh, okay. yeah, of course. If you want less, also, you got ten lakh rupees of sanction. Your fees is due for two and a half, but you only want one lakh rupees. We'll disburse you one lakh. Oh, interesting. So this way, then he is engaged with you throughout his education. It's not like a throughout the education. Why? It is In fact, in some cases, we do ask for. How are you doing? CGPS certificate of your course progress and all, all of those things. So we are engaged there. Some of the students actually do come back and ask for some help in internships and, and project uh, and so on. Both and be and help them with that. That has been sometimes. Like you, you like how do you make sure that they've passed out? That they're not flunking, etc. Like you're sending them a notification asking them for details. Yeah. So look, you have done. Invariably, 99% of the times, your original underwriting is being so rigorous that these kind of students don't flunk. One. So, even in those very rare cases, if something like this happens, we are engaged and students also, because they know, we keep telling them, like I told you, like evangelizing, educating, if anything goes wrong with you, please join form so that it can take care of. So, this student comes back sometimes or sometimes we reach out and we know exactly, look, if somebody is going for, let's say, fall of this season, right? We know exactly when are they supposed to pass out, right? Before they're passing out date or month, our team starts following them up, email goes, SMS goes, call goes, that how is it going, when are you getting an on-campus job has happened or not, it, yes, not, then what is, so we have the data, right? We just need to put it in the process and that's what we've done. And now the take is make it, made it easy. The notifications go to student. The app 
can send the notification. But then once they get a job, then they work out a repayment plan. That also is self-service. Yeah, yeah. So that is, yeah, they can okay, do it. So. There is a plan already at the time of disbursement. Mm. If they want to change it, they can over the period okay. of time. Mm. Uh, and you take NACH that match mandate. Match mandate, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, got it, got it. So this this covers how you do your collections through multiple touch points and the yeah, multiple touch points. And, and giving them flexibility to restructures as and when needed. Got it. What is your way to meet that cost income target? You must have some cost income no. target. Yeah, so yeah, so it's still early days action. I think we need to go the whole hall and how it plays out and so on like that. I'm very happy and pleased the way it is right now panning out. Look, my my philosophy again the has been that in financial services in India, if you are solving any problem, whether it is for students or banks or for ourselves, our own balance sheet, or anybody for institute, there is now a possibility to solve that problem through tech. Correct? There is a very distinct possibility. Almost everything can be solved. It's only you need to have the right talent approach and intent to be able to find and create the right product for flow and all. So my philosophy has been, and this is what I've told my leadership team, very powerful, very high-profile leadership team I've been able to hire. I think the approach is that if you are solving a problem, first get me a tech solution to that. It has been a legacy thing in India because of cheap labor that if you have a problem, throw people at it. Whether it is distribution also, if you want to solve, let's say, so customer onboarding or acquisition, you will say, oh, I'll recruit a DSA and DSA will hire four people or I'll, I'll hire 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people team and then go and collect documents from this group, right? I, my sense is that my approach is that why do we need this? A student has the documents, they have on their fingertips their mobile and whatever and they want the loan and they are very keen to share information because this is in their favor. And just allow them to do it seamlessly. And if you do that, you have actually eliminated a lot of costs. So one big cost in retail finance because it's a people-intensive business is people. Like one like customer acquisition. Like customer acquisition, even processing actually. Once the file uh, comes, mm, mm. the credit processing. But processing uh, over the last few years has become pretty automated, right? Like even bank. No, not for... Well, no, not for, it has become automated for credit cards and personal loans to a large extent, actually. Because those are well, smaller loans and credit card is pretty much given to people who are known in the financial system, who have died a bureau score and all that. In this, for example, mortgages, it's not as easy as a personal loan because of obviously property documents and so on. There is a lot of processing which happens at the back end, whether the property papers are original, whether the property papers are in place, the link documents are there. And similarly, in student loans also, there's a lot of processing with the existing lenders. What we've done is we've automated that as well. So we've done digital lockers, we are, we are extracting information, some channel and so forth. So to a large extent, we are kind of innovating at the backend processing as well. So for example, the entire, so a lot of information a gets collected and then B gets processed. So application information, past account information, futures information, which college, which course, admission, I-20, visa, all of those things and, and so on and so forth, right? All this information needs to get processed. Now this information 
right now with other narratives are getting processed largely physically. Meaning they need to download the document, somebody needs to sit and find out and launch. This we have kind of automated again. So, okay, so, so you're using like computer vision to scan the document. Like yeah, yeah. In fact, student also can actually take pictures and documents, upload documents in the, the journey and all of those things instead of sending it on email or WhatsApp, which is by definition called as a digital journey, but according to me, it's not a digital journey because you are attaching documents and sending an email. So those are the things which are changing. The document verification is also done through computer vision, like whether it's a... Yeah. Whether the admission has been granted, whether the visa is granted or not. So those are the things which you are yeah. like it's able to parse what is the date of validity and so on and so forth. All, all of that. Some of it has already happened as a standard, which for example, mm. bank statements are now mm. pretty mm. much standard uh, yeah. parsing and all those things. Right? But some of the other academic documents and especially in this domain is not happening so much. So mm. this mm. is the unique thing which we are So you've created like uh, you built that ability in house to Read sheets like your system can read a mark sheet and translate yes. that into numbers and then work in progress yes. and feed the algorithm. Yeah, amazing. Okay. And how did you cut your customer acquisition costs? What is the how do you like get leads? Get the customers, right? Fortunately, we are in a business where the customer is the most internet and social media customer that you can ever ask for, right? They are there. Whosoever is either going or studying right now, they're in some of the other virtual set. As long as you know the customer and their life cycle. So we've mapped anybody who's going to US, anybody who's studying in India or planning to study in India. We have mapped back, backwards about 24 months, forward about 30, 40, 36 48 months, 60 months, right? So you know exactly at what point of time the customer is doing what and then you can go and... So that knowledge is more important. While, while digital sourcing can be very costly and is very costly for a lot of people because they don't know when the customer right? So they are, I think, shooting in the dark and going to Google and search and all those and keywords and stuff. But if you know exactly what that student is doing at what point of time, there is a catchment. We do a lot of webinars actually, where we tell people five things you need to know about this, finance, 10 things you need to know about visa, seven things you are not to know. So those are the things of catchment. Go to, go to uh, campuses and create, understand the, the pain points there. So institutes need to connect fees and it gets delayed and all that. So can we send and partner with them and they can send the emails? So those are the things. And what percentage of your leads come through Institute Tire? Say, if I'm applying for admission to Amity. Oh, partnership, like not Amity only. Yeah, directly. So, yeah, yeah. Partnership is a channel. And within partnership, universities, institutes and colleges are there. And within partnership, there are, for example, test prep centers. If somebody is going out. Or in it. So you partner with them. So within partnership, there are there are student tech companies or discussion forums and all that. Right? Like so partner with guy or those something in it, right? So those kind of people you because it's enabling complementing product for them also. Correct? So you so partnership is a big channel. And then you go and partner with them and they will forward. Digital is one channel, digital social media. And then referral is a very strong channel because students usually work in cohort. One one of my friends, I am going to one my four of my friends also will do the same. 
And if I got a good experience and a good product, then I will invariably tell the other people. So referral is a very strong channel. And do you do something to drive more referral, like giving some benefits? I do. Yeah, yeah. We do some, it's again, work in progress, continuously getting evolved. But yeah, we do some vouchers, Amazon vouchers and some gadgets and so on and so forth for, for good reference, converted. Yeah. Okay. Did you get it off the ground in terms of funds? You need funds before you can I got out. Yeah. Mm. I got very lucky actually. I got an investor which is one of the largest private equity funds in the world called Westbridge Capital. And uh, Westbridge Capital now, if I'm not wrong, about eight to nine billion dollars fund they have invested has seat about twenty million dollars in coal. One of the largest fund funding in last two years in India. So I got lucky. I had great investors, understand India, they know education, they're very keen on education as a space and financial services. They're, big, they're investors into Equitar, some of the very good companies, Star Health, Insurance and all that. So they've invested into coal. So I got... Do you see this being largely domestic lending? Like, or for domestic... I even do... No, we will do this strategy. My focus is on domestic courses. However, because as a brand, I want to be the one-stop solution for any Indian student who's planning education finance, right? So to that extent, we will offer all the entire product suite, which includes Indian students going abroad. In fact, right now, largely the lending has been to abroad because the season was for. But going forward, my focus more and more is going to be on Indian uh, MBA, engineering, small ticket certification courses, like tech, executive education, and so on and so forth. This is where the focus. Because that's where the large need also. There could be an interesting play on this user base of students who are like starting their career. You could, for example, be the place from where they get their first credit card when, once they get into yeah. a job. So are you looking at building out those other products to cross-sell and upsell to the same uh, you You st- stolen my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. But look, we have, uh, this is to be more on one serious sort. This is invariably the first serious financial product in a student life. And by the virtue of the product or the nature of the product, uh, we acquire customers pretty early in their life, right? Anything between, depending on which segment you're addressing, if you're addressing get well, which we are not right now, uh, but 16 to 24 or so, right? So invariably the first product, and this is a very emotional product for them. So the bonding is much better, entrenched process, right? So there is a relationship bond, right? Now, and I know exactly because of last 15 years of experience, what are the other products at what point of time they will need? Once they pass out, if they're abroad, they will need a credit card, as you rightly said. In India, they might need a small ticket personal loan for paying deposit or buying a two-wheeler or bike or something, right? So these products you've already mapped. We know exactly what they will need over the period of years. So we have mapped about they will anybody know me, anybody will work for 35, 40 years at that. Right. First 10 years is this, and then next 10 years and next. 
and our tech architecture needs is such that we'll be able to maintain leverage this relationship funnel that we have created and use tech and analytics our analytics engine is very rich as we have spoken about data science uh, team working at it and all that so we'll be able to predict all of these things at the right time right place so we will have all the infrastructure readiness for this at what point of time will depend on macro conditions, micro other things, uh, how compared, what are we at that stage in terms of scale operations and so on and so forth. But yeah, largely at 30,000 feet above, I would like to uh, be more engaged with students and facilitate more products to them as, as much as I can. Would you do this on your own books? Say a two-wheeler loan, which would, I guess, be the... No, I as of now, it's too early. You would do this through partnership. Largely that, because I want to be focused on what I do the best, right? I know this business deeply and we want to leverage the domain expertise and be focused. And this is a very large opportunity and certainly underserved. So for next lot of years, I... If I'm knowing the right things and we are doing everything that needs to be done this, in this segment, I think we have enough and more market opportunity to not look out and become the best, better than the best player that there could be in India, right? And then probably global. Because the domain expertise, there, then in, oh, all of those things. So, um, strategic priorities or, or, or compulsions notwithstanding future, I will want to stick to the core competence that you pull. So what's like a broad 30,000 feet above the ground kind of a target in the next couple of years that you have? It? Not next couple of years. I, let me give you a slightly longer version. If I'm building this company for the, if I may. Look, my, in my, so Tredma took about 12 to 14 years to build a billion dollar book, right? I think we We'll be able to do it in the 50-60% of that time. Yeah. So that's a broad range of where we can go. Right? And how many student loan companies are like a, a billion dollar plus in terms of their book? Uh, in India, private players, nobody except for grid line. Oh, wow. Amazing. 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 And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium dot in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.